Welcome. Welcome to the weekend. Everybody up. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. Who in the world is Matt Blunden? Matt Blunden and why does he matter, Bison Nation, as we head into the regular season finale at Southern Illinois with the opportunity to become the first team in FCS history to conclude a regular season 12-0. This is Heard It here with Swanee. With Thanksgiving days away, I am thankful that you have chosen to spend your Saturday morning locked and loaded right here talking bison football. I got a tweet from Eric Yonser. He's got his coffee ready. He says, Swanee, tell us something we don't know this morning. Drop some knowledge on you. Well, I'm I'm doing that. That's that's what Matt Blunden and how this relates to the conversation in the historic season Trey Lance is having, the guy that should be the Walter Payton Award winner, the Jerry Rice winner, the guy that has over 30 touchdowns and zero interceptions, the guy that took apart the South Dakota State Coyotes with surgical precision last week, the most athletic and difficult guy to defend on the football field in any given week. That is is what Matt Blunden has to do with this conversation. But I'm going to leave you hanging for a little bit. You can, you can Google it, but don't ruin the fun. You can do some searching, some research to try to figure out who Matt Blunden is. The hint is that he was the quarterback at Virginia in 1991. But we'll get to that in a minute because we have a lot to talk about and not a lot of time to do it this morning. We are living in history, friends. We are living in history, and there's very few opportunities where you get to do that with your favorite team and any level of athletics. Any other program, any fan base would bend over backwards to have the sort of success that North Dakota State has had last weekend for the ninth, for the ninth straight season, the Bison clinched the Missouri Valley Football Conference Championship. The Valley is not, the Missouri Valley is not the Ohio Valley. It's not the Southland. It's not some lower tier conference where one team like a Jacksonville State can win it two or three or four years in a row with inferior competition and then get into the playoffs overrated and puff their chests and beaks out and get their beaks absolutely stomped on by a team from another conference. That's not the Missouri Valley. That's not the Missouri Valley. The Missouri Valley Football Conference is a league where if you take a look at this week's top 10 There are four teams, and arguably five, depending on what happens today, that will be in the playoffs and could be seeded. Well, three or four teams seeded in the playoffs. I think regardless of today's outcome, Northern Iowa, they're in the playoffs. I don't think they've got a shot at being seeded. Of course, North Dakota State and James Madison, no matter what happens today, that proverbial cat is in the bag. 
The Bison and the Dukes have locked up the number one and two seed regardless of the outcomes today. They will have home field advantage on their side of the brackets. But with a win, South Dakota State, John T. Stegemeyer slamming the juice for Thanksgiving, turkey, pumpkin pie, and juice. The Jacks will be a seed if they can beat the Coyotes, which they should be able to do in Vermilion. Illinois State with a win is probably a seeded team. Southern Illinois, who the Bison are playing today, hypothetically speaking, I get asked this in court by judges a lot, and with all deference and respect to the judges, this is one of those things, as I'm saying it, I'm thinking, Swanee, do you really want to go on the airwaves and say something like this about people that decide the cases that you make a living doing? And I say, why not? Why not? No risk, no reward. Let's light some fires. So judges ask hypotheticals, and those aren't the facts of the case. Well, hypothetically, Mr. Swanson, what if uh, what if this cat had big elephant ears? Well, well, Judge, respectfully, this cat doesn't have elephant ears, so that's not the situation we're dealing with. If if Southern Illinois were to beat the Bison, they'd probably be a seeded team at eight and four, based on the strength of their North Dakota State win and beating an FBS UMass team earlier in the year. That will not happen today. That will not happen today. North Dakota State. The herd is rolling into the land of Lincoln, baby. And it's going to be another big day for the Bison. The Bison offensive juggernaut, the best offense. Think about it. I've been telling you for, what, two months now? That this is the most explosive, most prolific, best offense in school history. The Johnny-come-latelys that I also talk about the Bison. That's just dawning on them after the Bison have been putting up these Offensive numbers that look like a video game where the Bison are housing opponents by an average score of 41.7 to 12. I've been on, I've been on this theme all over this for like two months. North Dakota State has the number one scoring offense in the country. In the country, no team is scoring more points per game or total points than the Bison. And the Bison are doing that mostly in two and a half quarters. They're rolling up big leads, and they're not just doing it against inferior competition. They blew the doors off Illinois State and Northern Iowa, who are going to be in the playoffs, and at least one of them a seeded team. They blew the doors off Youngstown State. The wheels have just fallen off there. I I don't know what you do with Bo, Bo Pelini. Bo is a good football coach. He has lost that program. He's lost total control. They're not a good football team. They, they have talent. They just can't put it together. I don't know if university president Jim Tressel, can you get any better than Pelini? Do you set yourself back four or five years if you fire him like they did with uh, Wolf, their old head coach? I don't know what they do there. But that was an impressive bison win down in Youngstown, Ohio. The Bison have the number one ranked total defensive unit in the country. That math isn't very hard. This isn't quantum. My wife's a physicist, so I like to to say things like, this isn't quantum physics. We're not talking crazy electron clouds and theories of relativity and E equals MC squared. 
when you have the top-ranked offense in the country and you have the top-ranked defense in the country, you're probably going to beat the pants off of most teams you play like the Bison have done. What makes this Bison team so different from their brethren and their forefathers with all, and seriously about this one, North Dakota State, I think we tend to forget, and this just sounds stupid because it is, but when you've had this level of success in one nine straight conference championships, seven of the last eight FCS titles, 15, 15 national championships. I heard, I heard, it might even have been on one of the flagships for North Dakota State where their broadcasters are talking about seven titles. That is wrong. That is dead wrong. The Bison have 15 national championships. Don't forget about and sell short those teams of 1965, 1968, 1969, 1983, 1985, 1986, 1988, and 1990. Those teams won national championships, and they were, they were darn good. Beano Cook in 1986, who was an analyst for USA Today Sports and CBS, said that year, the 1986 Bison were a top 10 team regardless of division. You throw that 86 Bison team, that 88 Bison team, the 1990 Bison team, even go back to those 60s teams. I think it was a 65 team for the first ever championship in school history in the Grantland Rice Bowl against Grambling, who had something like four future NFL Hall of Famers on that team. Yance, that's the knowledge I'm bringing to you guys. Bison Nation, without any notes, I'm dropping that on you off the top of my head. Those Bison teams were every bit as good as these Bison teams right now. Those teams won championships. They would have beat F. BS teams if given the opportunity. It's 15 titles. This offense this year, statistically speaking, has put up more yards per game and more total yards in the regular season than any of those teams. And they had some awfully good offenses. Some awfully good offenses. You old school Bison fans, you know what I'm talking about. This team, though, they can hurt you in so many ways. Hunter Lubke, the fullback, had two touchdowns last weekend. One on the ground. That was a play where I turned to Libby. And and incredulous isn't the right word. That surprised me. That play right there. Tyler Roll, how he's handled the play calling duties. Randy Hedberg, I've been beating on that drum. I'll bang on it again. That was a thing of beauty. South Dakota had no idea that was coming in week 11 with all the offensive plays, with all the tape, with everything that's on film. A Bison guy like myself was surprised by that play. Now, the the, the rollout pass from Zeb Nolan to Lubke, I said to Libby, I think it was the third down, I said, this is a rollout to the fullback. Bison wanted to get Nolan to pass the touchdown. I Tony romo that the entire way. But when you have the fullback, that's a threat out of the backfield. When you have all those tight ends that catch a cornucopia, it's Thanksgiving, so we're dropping cornucopias all over this morning. You have a cornucopia of tight ends that can hurt you. You've got Christian Watson who's emerging as one of the best wide receivers and playmakers in the Missouri Valley. Last week, first half, three or four catches for 94 yards and a touchdown against Western Illinois, that little hitch route he ran, then turned it up, 
sprinted 51 yards for a touchdown. Christian Watson is a dude hurtling, flying through the sky, leaping over defenders in a single bound. He's a guy that can blow the top off a defense. He's a guy that could take an eight-yard out route, turn it up for a touchdown. See you later, Betsy. Phoenix Sproles, Jimmy Cooperis. Look at the backfield. And we haven't even talked about Trey Lance. That's why this Bison team, they're not losing to Southern Illinois. How are they going to defend the Bison? Bison are going to run at you. You try to shut down the run, put seven or eight guys in the box. Fine. You could do that. Weather today in Carbondale, 40 degrees overcast. We shouldn't have any precipit. Wind shouldn't be a factor. The Bison can hurt you through the air. They will attack you downfield. When you have to start respecting that and dropping guys back into coverage, what do they do? They rush for 350 yards. And they have the best defense in the country. So that defense isn't a liability. Far from a liability. They have playmakers across the board. They shut down. The Bison shut down a pretty potent South Dakota offense last week with two of their starting linebackers on the sideline recovering from injuries. Jabril Cox and Aaron Mercadell didn't play. So what the Bison do, they brought in Kayser and Tutsi to play some linebacker. That athleticism where you could bring up safeties to play linebacker, we're going to talk about that here this morning. We talked about it on the Bison Illustrated podcast this week. Matt Ent said last spring, and I was all about it, Dave Kolpak, whose office is just down the hall, Associated Press, a guy that's been around and knows Bison football as well as anybody up here, right? That's something where when NDSU, Chris Kleiman took the K-State job, David called me, said, Swanee, you got the pulse of Bison Nation. Who's the next guy? What do you think? I said, there is one guy. His name is Matt Entz. He's the defensive coordinator. He'll be the next guy. Yeah, shoulders getting sore from patting my own back this morning. But I said that. That's on the record. That's on the record. That's in a newspaper article, an AP article somewhere. But in spring ball, I'll admit, when Coach Entz and, and the players were talking about how this coaching staff and Coach Entz was moving players out of position, shuffling guys on the offense and defensive line to, to make them uncomfortable, to expand their horizons. I thought, all right, new head coach coming in, establishing his regime, got to become the authoritative voice. All right, I kind of get that. You're coming off another national championship. Freshen things up, I thought. Can you really play those guys out of position? Yeah, I was wrong. I was wrong. You're seeing it on the field. Can you imagine being an opposing coordinator, whether it's on offense or defense? Put your shoes, put your feet in the shoes of the Coyotes offensive coordinator or offensive staff last week. You have two safeties coming up to play linebacker who are not a liability playing linebacker. Most of the time, you get a defensive back up playing linebacker. You say, let's run the ball right at those dudes. These guys can play the run game. They're very good in the run game. So if you're the quarterback for Southern Illinois today, when you go up to the line to do your reads, you're having to identify where's Jabril Cox at. You always got to pick out where Jabril is, where's Derek Tuska. And do the buys that have safeties playing a linebacker? You have to account for that. You make an opponent think. You do that the same way on the offensive side, where if the defense sees two tight ends or three tight ends and Lupke coming out there at fullback, maybe that delta formation, 
three running backs, then guys are motioning. There goes Watson. There goes Sproles. Who's accountable? What are our keys? You make defenses think, and when defenses think, they are slow. When you have that many playmakers, when your fullback can take the ball and run for 8 or 14 yards off tackle and be a threat, when you can leak him out of the backfield for a big passing play, there are just so many things. It's like looking at the Thanksgiving table. There's the turkey. There's the ham. There's the gravy. There's the stuffing. There's the 14 big bowls of stuffing. Dig in. With the big spoons, that's what I'm talking about. We'll have more coming up. I didn't forget, guys, Matt, Blunden, right after the commercial break, I'll tell you what Matt Blunden, what in the name of Matt Blunden does that have to do with Trey Lance and the buys? And you're listening to Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, 107.3 FM, and 740thefan.com. Fact check it. Be my guest. Jump on the intranet. Go to your local library, and you can find the same verified, triple-sourced, and checked information. Matt Blunden. He's not a Carmen San Diego character that I resurrected from the past. No, friends, Matt Blunden was the quarterback for Virginia in 1991, and based on my crack expert knowledge, is the only quarterback in major college football history with a minimum of 150 passing attempts in a season without an interception. Segway, a quarterback without any interceptions with more than 150 passing attempts. Blunden was a senior. He was a senior. There's some dude playing for North Dakota State wearing the number five who has zero interceptions through 11 games and can go through an entire season without an interception today in Trey Lance. So when I tell you I'm dropping knowledge based on my research and review, Trey Lance can become the second quarterback in Division I history with at least 150 passing attempts in a season without throwing an interception. Now, all of you great listeners, if that is wrong, tweet at me at Swanee8. I couldn't find anything. I did some digging. I could not find anything other than lowest passing interception percentage in a season, minimum 150 attempts. Matt Blunden for Virginia. He's the only guy that came up in the NC. Double A record books. So how's that, Nolan Schmidt? You learned something new this morning. I had to confirm right there. I mean, I think looking at the, I'm looking at the stats right now. Blunden, 224 attempts. I don't know what Trey Lance is at right now. It's definitely, I don't know if he's, he's definitely 196. Not. So he's going to be over 200 by by the end of the day today. 1900 yards. Again, I'm not. I don't think Trey Lance is relatively close to 19. He's, he's, he's right he's, up on he's that. He's there. pretty close. Uh, only 19 touchdowns. And Trey Lance has obviously thrown for 23 touchdowns already and ran for nine more. I don't know how many Matt Blunden ran for. And also, how good was 1991 Virginia Cavaliers? Well, it looked like they were 8-3-1 and one with a tie. So they're not 11-0 like NDSU. So and, it's, very, it's very interesting that you brought that up. And this morning, Biza Nation, who knew that we would be drawing comparisons? We're not having on the Nebraska play-by-play guy. We're telling you major college football 
history there. Trey Lance on the season. He's over 2,000 yards, 2,041 oh, okay. passing yards with an opportunity to go more than that today. And, and here's the thing. I, I just want the Bison to win. I want the Bison to win, whether that means Trey has – 313 yards and four interceptions or four touchdowns, right? Not four interceptions. <laughs> Can you imagine? That'd be that. All heck would break loose. Apoplectic, the apocalypse, the four horsemen of the uh, in Revelation or whatever. They're upon us if if he were to have four interceptions. That would just be bonkers. So long as the Biza win four touchdowns, zero touchdowns, but how how cool would it be as a fan? How cool would it be if your quarterback replacing Brock Jensen? And Carson Wentz, an Easton stick. Here, here's a question that came up. I was at a, a, an engagement party for my friends, Corey and Jess, yesterday. Corey and Jess, congratulations. That was a great party. Thanks to Adam and Jess for hosting that. One of Corey's friends named Mike follows my stuff on Bison Illustrated. Libby and this show, Libby loves when that happens. When some person's like, dude, I love your columns. She's like, she, she looks at him, she's like, shut up. Like, he does not need to hear that pollution in his ears. Like, Nick Saban would say, it's rat poison. It goes to his head, and then she has to hear about it at home. But the question that came up in the context of all this quarterback talk, and we'll get to the Southern Illinois matchup. Here's the thing, friends. I went back, and I've watched different parts of Southern Illinois games. That's what I do when I'm at home. I'm hanging out with Maverick. He's taking a nap. On ESPN3, you can pull up games throughout the season. So last weekend, I actually watched their first half live against Western Illinois. Southern Illinois is not beating the Bison. I'm going to tell you that right now. Their their dude, Williams, who has 16 touchdowns, we'll talk about him. Everybody's fawning over him and saying how special he is. He's not as good as Robinson from Illinois State. He's not as good as Pierre Strong from South Dakota State. And he's not as good as Ty Brooks or Adam Cofield. So we'll talk about all that. The Bison will win by two and a half swans, which is about the equivalent of 30 points. But to have a quarterback like Trey Lance, and here was the the question at this party I was at last night, Nolan. You've got, out of all the Bison quarterbacks, you have to pick one for a drive. So one drive. You need a touchdown. You're going to do it. You've got one drive. Okay, so that who do you pick for the drive? You have to win one game. Who do you pick for the game? And you get one quarterback for one season. Who do you pick for the season? So when you have Trey Lance on the heels, and I'll let you think for a minute, Trey Lance on the heels of Brock Jensen, Carson Wentz, and Easton Stick, what all these – and this was a Bison. uh, Jess and Corey are both NDSU alums, both big Bison fans, so this was a Bison party. Everyone was saying, where does Trey Lance figure into this conversation? It's so crazy that a freshman who's literally playing behind two guys that were the last all-time winningest – and the current all-time winningest quarterback in FCS history, and a guy that was drafted number two overall, the fact that he's being brought up by Bison fans saying, can I take Trey Lance? And then the debate is, well, do you you take Trey over Brock in that one drive, or Easton or Carson? No. On the one drive, you take Carson, I think. And I solely base that argument based on, uh, 2014 national championship or 2015 national championship, excuse me. Um, one game, Brock Jensen, I think. I think the amount of big games that Brock Jensen won, I'm thinking of Kansas State, I'm thinking of Minnesota, Brock Jensen in one game. In one season, that's the debate now because you could make the argument that Trey, you could pick Trey Lance for a full season knowing that he's not going to throw an interception. And then Easton Stick. I, pro- I mean, those are the two in the conversation if you want for a full season. I was just looking it up. 
in comparison to Carson alone, because I think you brought up per completion, I think Trey Lance is averaging 16 yards per completion or something like that with zero interceptions. To put that in some some aspect of you know perspective, in 2014, Carson Wentz was had 10 interceptions, threw for 10 interceptions, and his average per completion was under nine yards per pass play. And Trey Lance has thrown zero interceptions, averaging 16 yards per pass play. I think you can make the you can make to your question. I think you can make the argument that you'd pick Trey Lance for a season over Easton Stick. Think about that. The, and that and that's the thing. The fact that it comes up, the fact that his name is even in the debate. That that's what's so crazy going into this year. A freshman quarterback with all that pressure, and people are saying, "How how do how do you handle that? How do you do that, coach?" And that's something I asked Randy Hedberg. We played that interview on this show back in August. And Coach Hedberg said, we had that discussion with all of our quarterbacks this year. We told them, you don't have to be Brock. You don't have to be Carson. You don't have to be Easton. Just be the best you that you can be and let the game come to you. And here we are, the Bison are 11-0, and having the opportunity to become the first team in FCS history to go 12-0 and in the regular season with a freshman quarterback that has played so well that at house parties with Bison fans, when the question comes up, one drive, one game, one season for quarterbacks. Trey Lance, people are saying, where does he factor into it? Can I pick him? And that's taken nothing away from the great quarterbacks we've had. That's how the Bison have been able to sustain this run. But it's so mind-boggling in college football. That doesn't happen. That doesn't happen where you have four quarterbacks in a row like that. It's rarefied air that now we have a quarterback where we're comparing him to some dude named Matt Blunden from Virginia in 1991 who did not throw a single interception, and today he could do that. So I'm going to be watching with bated breath that game this afternoon, hoping that that, that Trey, I think Trey's going to play well. And here's the thing, even really good quarterbacks, even guys like Tom Brady, Peyton Mannings are the best quarterbacks in the college game right now. Joe Burrows for LSU. He had two or three interceptions last week against Ole Miss. Good quarterbacks occasionally throw interceptions. Carson Wentz had 10 in 2014. Easton Stick had six or seven last year. And here's a freshman. And this isn't an offense. Here's what's all the more impressive. This isn't a dink or dunk screen pass offense, heavy running attack, where it's safe passes that don't lend themselves to interceptions. Trey Lance is throwing the ball into tight windows. Trey Lance is doing things in this offense that's going downfield. And that, that's a great number. 16 yards per completion. The Bison are attacking downfield and to have no interceptions. Man, it's fun to talk about. This is Herded here with Swanee at 740 AM. The fan want to thank our sponsors, Altendorf Trucking, Welton's Tire Service, Seaberg Power Sports, and Yankee Insurance. We got more fun facts and Matt blend, blending, blending. Who knows what we're blundering references coming up right after this. Listen here, boys and country, as Swanee and the rest of the folks at the home ranch lasso up the good, bad, and mostly the ugly, the really ugly, like a hard day and night of tailgating for 15 hours ugly of NDSU's opponents on the Thundering Herd cast. So an NDSU fan, a UND fan, an SDSU fan are at the top of a mountain. And they're arguing about who loves their team the most. 
The UND fan insists that he is the most loyal. This is for the Fighting Hawks, he yells and jumps off the mountain. Not to be outdone, the NDSU fan goes next, and he yells, This is for my love of the bison, and he pushes the SDSU fan off the mountain. What do you think about that, Nolan? Huh? Saturday morning, getting wild here on Herded Here with Swanee at 740 AM. The fan, we got our FCS Face the Nation roundtable with Nolan Schmidt from the Bison Illustrated. Chase Miller from 740 AM. The fan talking about the historical season the Bison are having. We're getting texts and tweets into the fan club saying stuff like this, fellas, as far as Bison fans go. It never gets better than this. It never gets better than this. It's still something we don't know the end of as Bison fans. And that is so true. That is so true. The Bison are sitting here today with a chance to wrap up a perfect, undefeated regular season going into the playoffs as the top seed. The NCAA FCS selection show is tomorrow morning at, I think, 1030? 1030 on ESPNU? 1130 in the morning. 1130. 1130 on ESPNU. And the Bison have put themselves in a position to win another championship with a quarterback that is the most athletic and explosive guy in the FCS, which I think earlier in the show when we talked about living in history, there's a lot of talk out there right now in the the media market and around FCS. The Bison fans really appreciate the truly historic nature of what they're doing, and that's difficult living in it right now. And I I don't want to make a comparison because football isn't war and the, the, the successful streak we're on, you can't compare it to stuff like World War II saying when you're living in the times, it's just tough to see. But but that's kind of the mindset when I think about this. It's tough to remove yourself from it when you're living in it, when you're in the day-to-day of it where this afternoon the Bison are going for their 33rd straight win which would tie the 2012 to 2014 Bison for the longest winning streak in FCS history. And as a Bison fan, that's awesome, man. I I love that. That streak is great. I take a lot of pride in that streak. But much like the team and the coaches, it's not something as a fan that I think about every week like, well, this is number – it's in the game notes put together by Ryan Peralt. Ryan does an excellent job with those. And and other folks at a national level, level are talking about it. But for me as a fan and as someone that covers this team, it's not something in the front of mind where when I sit down today to watch the game, I'm thinking this is for number 33. It just doesn't come to mind. So how do you guys see that when you're talking with fans and and covering games, talking to players? To me, it's so hard. I, I appreciate it, but it's tough to remove yourself when you're living in the midst of it, I think, to truly appreciate and understand just how historic this whole championship run and winning streak stuff is. And I don't think it's a lack of appreciation, guys. Because, I mean, you go inside that program, and it, the mindset is not, like you said, Swanee, the mindset isn't we're going for number 33. The mindset all year, all ever, all the last 10 years has been we're going to go 1-0 and this week, and then that's going to build up to a 11-0, and a 12-0, and a 15-0 and like last season. That's just their mindset. Their time to sit down and appreciate it is during the offseason. And, and I think, you know, we, we're not inside the program, inside the football offices every single day to say, well, I don't know if Matt Entz actually appreciates it or not, because I'm, I'm sure he does in the offseason when he can actually sit down and have some time to think about it. But 
I think it's also challenging, like you said, Swanee, as as a you know to take a step back in the moment and realize that this team has won eight out of the last nine FCS national championships or seven, excuse me, seven of the last eight. My, my apologies. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking too far in the future guys. <laughs> uh, but also going a step further, where's the tangible end? Where, 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 where do you sit? Where is that point where it's like an off season where you can take a step back and say, well, they didn't win in Frisco or they didn't even make it to Frisco. Next year, they only lose 14 seniors. Trey Lance is still going to be under center. Christian Watson, Phoenix Sproles are still going to be on the outside catching that passes. offensive line. Noah Gindorf and Josh Babich are going to be tight ends. Jabril Cox. Michael Tutsi's back. I mean, James Kayser's back. Where's the tangible end to say, oh, when this happens, we can finally take a deep breath and appreciate what's going on? You can't see it right now. It's not. It's too far in the distance, I think, to sit down and say, you know, this will be the time where we can maybe take a step back and appreciate because we just, I, I don't see, you can't see an end in it right now. And, and the players and the coaches know what's going on. It's just they do such a good job of keeping that noise away from that building. You know, when, mm-hmm. when you talk to the coaches and the players, you know, you bring up the win streak, it's like, well, you know what, we got to worry about Southern Illinois. You know, you talk to some of the coaches the first time that they're in this program and they'll say what stands out about NDSU from maybe where they've been at before. They're going, before I even come in and make cut ups, they're already watching game film on the opponent. You know, you might come in and see a Marquise Bridges first thing Sunday and first thing Monday already watching how does the opponent attack the secondary or how do they run a certain scheme where he might be the last guy out on a a backside reverse and how does he got to make sure that he stays home and makes a tackle. So those are little things that that stand out about NDSU. The question that we posed on the Jack Michael show, which got a lot of uh, people on social media talking about it was, is NDSU fine? Because I was trying to find a team that was comparable to the Bison and Mount Union of Division 3 is kind of that team. They've they've been in 21 of the last 26 Division 3 national championships. They've won 13 of the past 26 I mean, you just keep going on and on and on. And, and where their records are, they've won 95% of their games in the last decade. The Bison have won 91%. Of the, and and that, that's the question for Bison fans is this. Is NDSU so far ahead of the game in the FCS that are you fine with winning national titles? And no one is here between us three saying you have to move up. That If you want to stay in the FCS and win national titles and go to Frisco and have a chance to be in Oregon next year, have a chance to beat Colorado in two years and, and you know, make those rivalry games with South Dakota State and UND mean something, you know, a little bit more then fine be here but just know that you're going to get a lot of folks from the outside going this is boring the halftime scores i'm already leaving you already know what the game is going to be why is it a 30 40 point swan type of game you know and those are the questions that they're getting who would have figured that you would have been tired of success and i think that's the one thing with fans right now not all fans because there's fans that will stay there till the fourth quarter watch the backups there's fans that only get to a game two times a year and they will go out tailgating and have fun but the question becomes for a certain majority of the fans right now that now the dome isn't 19,000 fans every game they're getting bored with success which is something that a lot of programs would take in the fcs but like what what's like what's your alternative would you because and we i've been of this impression for a really long time swanee and you know this is that if my favorite team you know a huge indianapolis colts fan if the indianapolis colts win the super bowl seven of the last eight years i'm reveling i'm relishing in those super bowl victories 
And, and I mean, insert any any favorite professional team of your choice. The Minnesota Twins, if they win seven of the last eight World Series, you're relishing in that. Would you prefer if they were under 500? Would you prefer a three and eight Bison team to a 15 and 0 national champion? I I can't comprehend that idea of getting bored with watching them win national championships. I, think, I can't wrap my head around it. I think for Bison fans, where they're at is it's the thought that there's something above with the NFL and MLB. You're winning Super Bowls, World Series. You can't go any higher. That's the highest level there is. And with Bison fans, you know, I watch a lot of FBS football, and I wonder all the time. I was watching the Wyoming. Colorado State game last night and I'm thinking NDSU would beat both these teams and I do that a lot when I'm watching FBS teams I'm thinking how would NDSU's defense stack up against this Iowa team how would Trey Lance and the Bison offense match up with what Oklahoma State's trying to do so as a Bison fan I see that and and uh, before we go to a break so I want to I want to unpack I think NDSU will get into our game day predictions We'll, we'll do a bracket special podcast. I want to save some time at the end to talk about playoffs and what the bracket might look like. But I want to go back to that house party I was at, this engagement party for my friends Jess and Corey last night. And one of my buddies, who's a longtime Bison guy, went to NDSU. We were talking about it. And what he was saying is for him and his wife to go to a game, it costs, you know, $200 just for tickets. They want to bring their kids with, you're talking 300 now you're throwing in food, and the the money thing is one thing where they say, well, you know, if we're going to spend that much money on a game and we're leaving at halftime because the Bison are up by 35 or 40 points, they love the fact the Bison are up, but they the, the math they start doing in the head is, okay, do we spend 300 bucks to do that, or do we sit and watch the game at home? And I know, Chase, we've talked about it. There's my fridge with my beer and my yep. food. There's my flat screens, and what I've done watching the games with Maverick I'll watch till the Bison get up 40. Then I flipped over and I watched the South Dakota State-Illinois State game. And I start watching different FCS games on ESPN3 because the Bison are up 30 or 40 points. And what they're doing on the field at that time, they're playing guys that in the future might be studs and contributors. But I'd rather watch a game that that is meaningful is not the right word, but a game that's closer, that the game has something on the line, and a game where I can come on these airwaves and say, hey, I watched Southern Illinois play. They run the Wildcat. I don't think they're real great passing the ball. I think NDSU is going to shut them down, win by 30 points. So I think that's where a lot of Bison fans are at, and it's so unique and rarefied air, and we'll unpack it more. we got to hit the break. want to thank our sponsors, Altendorf Trucking, Welton's Tire Service, Yankee Insurance, and Seabird Power Sports. Bison Nation, I know you care about UND. You guys love UND. You want to know, will UND make the playoffs? Because you've been tweeting me and texting me saying, Swan, do the Fighting Hawks get in? Do they get in? Chase Nolan and I will tell you whether we think with the win, UND is in, and if they'll be sent to Fargo next on Heard It here with Swanee. We're taking it to the bank as Swanee brings you his lock-solid prediction for this week's game. Just <clears throat> don't bet the house on it or anything, okay? Oh, my God. Are you serious? It's all about the competition, baby. Josh Linus running the boards today during the break. We were talking about it, and he brought an excellent point up. As a Bison fan, I'm right there where he's at. I would like to see the Bison playing against teams that can actually compete with the Bison, and we could do a whole, maybe we'll do a huge hour-and-a-half podcast on that, crack a few suds, dive into it, drop some swear words, do what we do. But we got to get moving on. We got about 10 minutes left talking FCS playoff 
brackets. The question out there on Herded here with Swanee, and it relates to NDSU because Bison fans click on the stories. Bison fans know what's going on with UND. So I had a group of text, a group of buddies I texted with, and at the same house party, they're telling me about the Northern Colorado receiver last weekend who torched UND for like 230 mm-hmm. yards or whatever it was. So Bison fans, you're paying attention. And if UND makes the playoffs, there's a decent probability that they'll play somewhere in a first-round game, and if they win that game, they're going to be shipped up to Fargo. So the question off the bat with this playoff discussion, with the win is UND in? Chase, we'll start with you. Uh, I'm going to go on the outside looking in, and I I, I don't know. I, I really don't think they're in with that uh, Nichols loss to Sela. And the question that I have posed out to folks talking about UND, if they're in or not, uh, they had a chance to flex their muscle against Northern Colorado up 21 in the third quarter, and they only won by seven. And uh, now you're playing Southern Utah. I don't know if it would have been better for them to play a team like Montana this week or another Weber State caliber kind of opponent in the big sky to say, if you win this game, and you beat a top 10 team, this is why you deserve to be in instead of playing someone who's at the bottom. You're playing your schedule. That's what happens. Southern Utah beat Northern Arizona last week, so they got three wins. So if UND wins this game, it's not going to be a big stamp of approval why they should be in the postseason. The question that I have when you look at these seven other uh, you know, resumes, does a seven-win Southern Illinois team from the Valley who quite honestly doesn't have a win over a playoff-caliber team does that look better than a 7-4 and four independent type of UND team who beat UC Davis, who beat Sam Houston State, albeit those wins are lackluster, but their biggest coup de gras is Montana State. And if Montana State beats Montana this week, that's going to make that Bobcat win even better. So this is what I've been trying to do, Swanee, is put all these seven-win teams, see who has a Division II win, see who has you know non-FBS wins, put them together, but... Southern Illinois has the feather in the cap going, okay, we haven't beat anybody that's going to make the FCS playoffs, boring what happens later today, but they beat UMass. And that's the big but when it comes down to this committee. Nolan and I were talking about this earlier in the week. How about this team? With a win today, Eastern Washington would finish 7-5. and five, six divi- Only six Division One wins. They beat a Division Two Lindenwood. But if they win today, they're 6-2 and two in, in the, the Big Sky. Sky Conference, and they beat UND. Well, how, how's that going to shake out, Nolan? I, I, I'm with Chase. I don't think they're in, uh, even if they beat Southern Utah today. I, I really don't. I think there's enough Southland teams. I mean, we're talking about Central Arkansas, who has a has a case to be a top eight seed after they beat um, Incarnate Word yesterday. I mean, they have a win over Austin P, and then they're not even the Southland automatic qualifier. Nickel State is. Southeast Louisiana. I mean, I mean, Sam Houston is six and five. You can maybe make a case if 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 Sam Houston gets in, UND should be in. I I think I think it hinges on the result of the brawl of the wild today. I think if Montana State beats Montana, I think UND gets in. If Montana wins, which I think Montana is going to win, I think I think UND gets left on the outskirts. And you talk about Southern Illinois. Yes, all of their wins. I don't know if you can call them great outside of the UMass Mm -hmm. FBS win, but. Out of the four losses that they have currently, all, of them, are, all, all of them are quality or losses. One FBS are they loss. not? Alabama State, which is an FBS loss. SEMO, who's Simo, ranked 13. who's a playoff team. South Dakota State playoff team. Seeded playoff team, probably. Illinois State playoff team. And if they lose to NDSU, they lose to the number one team in the country. Those are five 
quality, in quotations, losses. And that's the biggest thing. We don't know if a quality loss is going to look better than a loss at Idaho State. And that's the one thing every year the play, at the They're committee, never consistent yeah, on yeah, it. They're, they're never consistent. There's always one yeah. thing of like, well, that was a really bad loss. That That's why you didn't get in. In comparison to going, well, you had a couple quality losses. That's why we put you in because you didn't have a black eye on your resume. It'll be interesting to see what the committee does with that. And even a, a conference like the Ohio Valley Tennessee Martin's probably in. I think they're going to be eight and three or seven and four. You got Austin P, and then they're they're the auto qualifier from the Ohio Valley and SEMO, Southeast Missouri. Yep. They're rated number thirteen in the country. So when you have a league like the Ohio Valley, does UND not being in a conference end up hurting them? We got to get to the game day pickums. Let's talk a little bit about this game. How much to the buy? I'm not going to ask you for the buys and win, guys. We're beyond that. <laughs> I'm going to ask you how much. Did the Bison win by today? You know, I'll be honest. I, I said it yesterday with you, Swanee. I think Southern Illinois is the most formidable Missouri Valley opponent that NDSU will see outside of South Dakota State. Uh, and, and I think that hinges on a few things. They run the same, a similar style of offense. They're top 10 in the country in, in total rushing offense. And on the flip side, they're playing to the, they, if they beat NDSU, that's the feather in their cap to say, we need to be in the FCS playoffs. So, they're going to be playing with nothing to lose at home. You know, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a close game, but I'm saying that Southern Illinois is going to provide some challenges here and there, maybe in the early goings of the game. I still take the Bison, but I think it'll be 40-20. to 20. I think Southern Illinois will do a little bit on the ground to get some points on the board. And we interviewed Nick Hill, the head football coach for Southern Illinois, and he was uh, the quarterback under Jerry Kill when Jerry Kill was the head coach for the Salukis. And you can check that out on 740thefan.com. Go on the podcast section. He's only 34 years old. Young dude. Fourth year in his uh, regime there, and the first three years were pretty lean. But now he's getting his guys in after uh, Dale Lennon left. You know, he's getting his guys in. And and I asked him, I said, is this one of your bigger games in a program in a while? He goes, you can make an argument that this this is the biggest game since we were in the semifinals a decade ago you know at, at that spot down in Carbondale the Bison 19 and a half points I've been liking the spread game the last couple mm-hmm. weeks I'm two for two thank you very much uh <laughs> I'm gonna go the Bison cover the 19 and a half point spread they cover it the Bison are on a mission friends and I want to thank our sponsors Altendorf Trucking Walton's Tire Service Seaberg Power Sports and Yankee Insurance I want to thank Chase and Nolan for jumping on the FCS face the nation roundtable and Josh for running the boards today, but this Bison team can become the first team in FCS history to go 12 and 0. That is not lost on the Bison. That was talked about in the locker room. Everything is now on the table. The Bison have a chance to be historically special. They want to head into the postseason with momentum. They want to head into the postseason as the unquestioned number one seed and kings of the FCS. And I think they're tired of hearing a team saying, this is a trap game. We can get these guys. Let's get the buys. And I think the buys and go down there. And I think the buys and offense does what the buys and offense has been doing for the better part of the last month. And we see a big, big day. I think it all comes together. I think Code Green shuts down the Saluki's defense. Once a Saluki, who cares? It's all Bison today. 42-7, to Nolan and Chase. Two and a half swans. 42-7. to Big Bison day. Remember, friends, the strength of the herd is the Bison. And the strength of the Bison is the herd. Uh...